We need to accept that smokers smoke because they like smoking. You know, I understand the issue of some flavors being uh, appealing to the youth. Let's be honest, the adults like flavors too. They want to move away from smoking. If you implement a flavors ban, you will bring these people back closer to smoking. Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Health Canada's proposed ban on flavors in nicotine vaping products, which the regulator dropped in June of last year, is at this moment still unresolved. For over 1 million adult Canadians who rely on nicotine vapes as a safer alternative to smoking, losing flavors could lead to relapse and a return to smoking-related disease and death. Joining us today on RegWatch to discuss the role flavors play in the success of nicotine vaping and the potential impact of flavor bans is Dr. Konstantinos Farsalinos, cardiologist and public health expert from University of Patras and University of West Attica in Greece. Dr. Farsalinos, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you very much, Brent. So in your last appearance on RegWatch in December of 2019, we discussed junk science, the mountain of pseudo-scientific research belched from the halls of academia, poisoning public perception on vaping. Let me first ask you, over the past couple of years, have things gotten any better? No, not really. We, we have seen a series of uh, mispresentation or, or, or misinterpretation of science, and that has resulted in um, uh, severe misconceptions among the public and particularly smokers, and that's what, where we want to focus when we discuss about tobacco harm reduction products. This has been happening uh, for all these years. It's been growing. Unfortunately, it's been very successful. And uh, this is a problem that we are still facing. And I remember this being the problem since the beginning when I initiated my research on uh, tobacco harm reduction back in late 2011. As you know, it's very easy to create a misconception about harm uh, for something, and it's much more difficult to um, convince someone that there will be some benefit. The latter is much harder, and we are facing this uh, very hard um, uh, task in front of us. Uh, but uh, I, I need to agree with you. Uh, we are having a, a series of um, uh, many, many years of uh, misinterpretation and mispresentation of, of, of science. Um, Press releases have grossly exaggerated claims and findings from studies. And this has resulted in um, smokers being completely confused and in reality being discouraged of using tobacco harm reduction products in an effort to quit. Now, I would assume that that confusion isn't just limited to the consumers. I would imagine many regulators are probably just as confused, I would think. Oh, definitely. Uh, and also the scientific community, because, you know, uh, many scientists, for example, clinicians, clinical doctors who are uh, taking care of patients, they don't follow the science um, on tobacco harm reduction so closely. They just look uh, at headlines. And when the headline is impressive and it creates the, the, the conception that, you know, something really bad is coming from a tobacco harm reduction product, this is what they're going to communicate to their patients. So um, this has evolved and it affects all aspects of um, the, the people who um, are going to uh, be informed uh, from the science. And that uh, involves both scientists who are not 
um, having as a main uh, job uh, the research on this uh, product, but who are taking care of smokers, and of course, the smokers themselves as consumers. So it's a chain of misperception, of misinformation that starts from the scientific community and ends uh, to the consumer. So let's discuss uh, flavors. Why are they significant for nicotine vaping and the success of nicotine vaping for quitting smoking? Well, we need to accept that smokers smoke because they like smoking. They perceive some positive experience from smoking. And as you understand, if you want to uh, be successful in substituting uh, smoking with, with something, with another product, this product needs uh, to be uh, flavorful, needs to provide some satisfaction to the smoker. Otherwise, why would the smoker use it and why would the smoker quit? Um, so we need products which are appealing to smokers. And there are two things that uh, are important in order to address the uh, satisfaction that a smoker needs. One is nicotine intake, and the second is flavor. But in e-cigarettes, flavors play a more important role. It's not only the role that you know people don't want to use something which is tasteless, and we know that electronic cigarettes without added flavoring compounds are flavorless. They don't have any flavor. Uh, tobacco flavor is also an added uh, flavoring uh, mix mixture. It's not the natural uh, flavor of, of, of electronic cigarettes. But what we are seeing, and we've seen that since my first uh, service of uh, vapors back in 2012-2013, we are seeing a very rapid transition of former smoking vapors from tobacco flavors to non-tobacco flavors. And their experience is that this helps them stay away from tobacco cigarettes. It most likely prevents a relapse. And we know that relapse to smoking is a huge problem that we have faced historically with smoking cessation. Uh, and you understand that, that when you are starting using something which tastes so much different than uh, tobacco cigarettes, then it's going to be more difficult to relapse back to tobacco cigarettes. And, you know, I understand the issue of some flavors being uh, appealing to the youth. But let's be honest, the adults like flavors too. I'll tell you a story of my mother, who is a former smoking vapor, and she's uh, 73 years old. You know what? She's smoking fruit flavors. You know that she's smoking, uh, she's vaping, sorry, fruit flavors. She's vaping cappuccino flavors. She's not vaping any tobacco flavor. And she had been a 55 years smoker in the past, but she made the transition to vaping. So only vaping now, she has completely quit smoking for uh, the last three or four years. And she has transitioned to non-tobacco flavors. And she now today doesn't use any tobacco flavors. She uses fruit or sweet flavors. And she's 73 years old. So, uh, you know, Many, many adults, even of old age, former smokers, they love non-tobacco flavors. They want to make the transition. They make the transition pretty rapidly within a few months, and they stay with these non-tobacco flavors. 
they want to move away from smoking. If you implement a flavors ban, you will bring these people back closer to smoking. We need to understand that and we need to understand the unintended consequences of any regulatory decision in this matter. And that's not the only one, Brent. I wonder, uh, Dr. Farsalinos, with respect to Health Canada and the proposed flavor ban here in Canada, whether it's an actual unintended consequence. Health Canada even admits in its own regulatory impact analysis of the flavor ban that a significant portion of Canadian vapors will return to smoking. Is that unintended? If they if they are already predicting that, then <laughs> you can't call it an unintended consequence. It's a consequence that you already know before implementing the regulation. And they are right, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, they are right. Uh, and unfortunately, there are many more unsuccessful attempts to quit. So many more smokers will be unable to switch. If Health Canada understands this, how, what's the calculation then for them to implement the flavor ban? Because it's, it's not just flavors in terms of fruit flavors. They're actually going to be monitoring consumer sensory perception of flavor. So they're, essentially, they're not allowed to have any pleasant flavors of any kind. Even if it's a tobacco flavor, it can't seem to be pleasant. This is a great paradox. If you want e-cigarettes to have an impact on public health, you want them to be satisfactory to smokers. If you want to make the product less appealing, less satisfactory to, to smokers, of course, it's going to fail. And then you are entering a vicious cycle when, uh, where you will accuse the products of not being successful while it's your regulation that makes them unsuccessful because you are doing your best to make these products unappealing to smokers. Well, if something is unappealing, it's not creating any satisfaction. It's not having a good uh, flavor, a good taste, a good smell. Uh, it's not providing an appropriate experience. It's not producing a lot of vapor that many smokers want. Uh, then how do you expect this to succeed? You are basically compromising the, uh, the prospects of the product. And then you're going to say that, oh, e-cigarettes are not successful. Well, yes, because you've made them um, you've made them a failure with your regulation. You know, it makes no sense. They are treating e-cigarettes like tobacco cigarettes, and they are very, very different. E-cigarettes are not just a consumer product. In fact, most countries have implemented a ban on the sales to youth, and that's the right thing. Uh, but you know what they're saying? They're saying that we cannot implement the ban. Well, do your best to implement it. Why are you punishing smokers because of your incompetence to implement an already um, uh, implemented ban? You're not enforcing the ban. Well, increase the fines, increase the fees for those who violate the law, the regulation. Uh, we've, we've, we have the same regulation in Europe and still we have the same discussion. Why? Because of the youth. Well, the youth are not allowed to buy e-cigarettes. Uh, make sure to enforce the law. It's that simple. Why punish adult smokers? It doesn't make sense. And second of all, we're not seeing any pandemic of youth e-cigarette use. We are seeing growing e-cigarette experimentation among youth. Yes, 
we are seeing uh, some use mostly in, in former in, in, in youth with smoking history, let me say, whether current or past uh, smoking history. Uh, but we're not seeing regular use by never smokers. Uh, we've uh, analyzed um, U.S. data sets and we've published repeatedly on this matter. Uh, I've analyzed the National Youth Tobacco Survey repeatedly. I published, uh, if I remember well, last year. Uh, we're not seeing what they call a smoking epidemic. We are seeing uh, a vaping sorry, epidemic. We are seeing youth experimentation, yes. But we are also seeing that the smoking rates have been reduced to unprecedented levels, to historically low levels in the US from 2011 to 2020. Uh, that was the period during which uh, e-cigarette experimentation grew quite a lot among US youth. The smoking rates have been declining at the fastest rate ever. And now smoking is also almost non-existent among U.S. youth. So where is the getaway to smoking? We would have seen either a slowdown of the, de of the decline or even a reversal, an increase in smoking rates. But no, we're seeing a, a, a rapid and unprecedented decline in smoking rates. So there is no getaway to smoking. If you want youth not to use the products, implement, enforce, the regulation, which is ban on the sales to youth, uh, increase the fines for, for those who sell to kids. I mean, there are many ways to do that. You don't need to uh, punish adult smokers and adult former smoking vapors. It makes no sense. Dr. Farsalinos, are you familiar with some of the research coming out of North America, say from Dr. Abigail Friedman? in San Francisco, uh, showing that actually teen smoking may go up in some areas because of flavor bans. Exactly. And because of overtaxation of e-cigarettes, price is also an important incentive for people to quit. Uh, if you make the product equally or more expensive than smoking, then you are removing one of the biggest incentives for a smoker to make an effort and to quit uh, by using harm reduction products. It makes no sense to do that. Seriously, it makes zero sense. And let's not forget that the e-cigarette is a technology product, which means that it's far more expensive to be produced than you know, the obsolete, the very cheap tobacco cigarette, which is expensive only because of taxes. So you can't treat electronic cigarettes as uh, tobacco cigarettes. They are not just a consumer product. It's not a matter of consumer choice. It's a matter of quitting a deadly product by switching to a far less harmful alternative. You cannot punish the less harmful alternative and you cannot treat the less harmful alternative in the same way as the deadly product, which is supposed to be substituted by the less harmful alternative. It makes zero sense from a political, from a regulatory, and from a public health perspective. I want to share with our audience here, um, you just recently have published uh, The Case for Flavors in Tobacco Harm Reduction to Save Lives, where you looked at over 340 publications on e-liquid flavors. I guess is, this is a meta-analysis of some sort, or it's definitely a review? 
it is an overview of all the data concerning flavors in terms of perceptions, in terms of risk, in terms of all aspects related to flavors, with some proposals uh, for um, uh, uh, regulatory uh, frameworks, which should not include uh, a ban on the sales of flavor products. I would agree that there should be some regulation. Uh, I agree that there is there has to be some oversight in terms of packaging, in terms of labeling, in terms of naming of products. Yes, I fully agree on that. In North America, especially in the US, we are seeing uh, some uh, problems with that. But the issue is that at the same time, we are punishing smokers and former smoking vapors, adult, adults, former smoking vapors. Additionally, Brent, we're going to have another issue. We're going to have an uncontrolled black market. And it's going, not going to be counterfeit product. It's going to be the do-it-yourself use of food flavors for electronic cigarettes. Because flavors in general cannot be banned. We have food flavors, and food flavors are approved products for use in food. So everyone can have access to food flavors. The issue is that some food flavors are not appropriate to be inhaled. And that's why the e-cigarette industry is using specific flavors for e-cigarette products. If people are going to have no access to e-cigarette flavors, they're going to look at the food flavoring industry sector. But the food flavoring industry also sells uh, food flavors, which are um, uh, dissolved in oils, for example, in vegetable oil. And you should not inhale vegetable oils. So they will create an uncontrolled do-it-yourself market and an uncontrolled black market. They are going to put people at risk because they will deny their right to have access to vaping-specific flavors. And they need to understand all these unintended consequences. They cannot just simply go for a ban because it's the easiest thing to do. And because, yes, we may protect, supposedly, the youth. Well, the youth can do it yourself, uh, mix flavors easily. <laughs> it's it's going to be easier for them than for a middle-aged or older uh, former smoking uh, adult. Uh, it's going to be much easier for a young person to, to, to mix and match. Uh, probably they're gonna, it's going to be their new hobby. Uh, I don't think it's going to have any impact in reducing um, vaping or e-cigarette experimentation rates in youth, but it's going to have a very strong impact, a negative impact, in uh, former smoking uh, adult vapors. In your uh, professional opinion, when you take a look at what Health Canada has done in the last year and a half here in Canada with the Nick cap, so they lowered the, the maximum amount of nicotine you can have in vapes, and then now with the potential flavor ban, what are your thoughts on the, regulator, on the regulatory action here? Well, I'll tell you something which is not scientific, but it's common sense. I would uh, tell the regulators, not only in Canada, but also in Europe, because we're facing the sim similar issues in Europe, to have a look at the UK. It's that simple. Have a look at the case of a country which has uh, openly uh, encouraged cigarette use, 
they have supported the cigarette use. And I mean the authorities, the physicians, the smoking cessation centers. Uh, and look at what's happening. There is no youth epidemic of cigarette use. Uh, rates of cigarette use among youth are extremely low. They are mostly experimental. Uh, regular use is usually among uh, youth with a smoking history. Nothing bad has happened. Millions of smokers have quit. So where is the problem in a country which has been actively supporting the use of cigarettes? Why don't you use this example? I mean, it's that simple. And this country was even prevented from being more openly supportive for cigarettes because of the European Union uh, Tobacco uh, Products Directive. Now that after Brexit, I'm sure that they're, they're going to be more openly supportive for electronic cigarettes. And, you know, it's not an uncertainty. We are seeing the results for several years now. And nothing bad has come out, uh, come out of this. Uh, the UK is a perfect example for everyone to follow. I don't understand why they're not using this uh, real case of a country which is extremely successful in its cigarette use policy while being extremely supportive of cigarettes. And why don't they do the same? Is it a false connection, flavors, and teen vaping? Well, uh, I think that in the latest National Youth Tobacco Survey, flavors were the third choice for someone to use uh, e-cigarettes for a youth, I mean, a, a, an adolescent. Um, the main reasons were used by friends and family, uh, and that was the main reason for someone to try and to, to use or to experiment with electronic cigarettes. You know, curiosity is the main reason for, for youth. It doesn't matter if it's a, a tobacco flavor or a non-tobacco flavor. Um, I think that, especially in the US, there is a, an issue, and I've seen it myself, with packaging, with labeling, with promotion of products. I'm not saying, and I don't know if these companies are truly targeting adolescents, but they are indirectly targeting adolescents with the, the type of labeling and packaging. And they would accept having some regulatory oversight in these issues. But flavors, I mean, come on, tell me now something. Do you know any adult who doesn't like chocolate, for example? Who can support that only kids like flavors? Why do we have flavored nicotine gums? Because adult smokers like flavors in their gums. Do you know anyone who wants to chew a, a, a flavorless gum? No. Do you, want, uh, do you know anyone who wants to eat uh, something which is flavorless, something which is bland? No, of course not. Well, that's the nature of the human brain. They want to experience something uh, pleasant, something which provides satisfaction. And, you know, smoking is satisfactory for smokers. We want to substitute this satisfaction with something else, which causes far, far less harm. And that's what we're doing. We need to make the alternative products appealing. We need to make them satisfactory and flavorful. We're doing the, exactly, the exact opposite. I don't, seriously, I don't understand why. Is it difficult to prove or at least make the argument for flavors, say if you sat down with Health Canada next week? Well, I don't think it's gonna be difficult, although the problem is that we have not done a lot of research on, on, on flavors. We should have done more. To be honest, I was sure that, uh, I was certain that 
the regulatory authorities would focus on flavors. We've seen that with smoking, and that's a good thing that they did it. I fully agree with all the uh, smoking laws uh, concerning taxation or the lack of, 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 of uh, flavorings. But for electronic cigarettes, it's a completely different story. You know, the, the problem starts from perceiving these products as a tobacco product and as a product that needs similar restrictions to tobacco cigarettes. This is the root of the mistake. This is the root of the problem, which ends up in, in, in bad regulatory decisions. Unfortunately, bans on flavors are going to be a bad decision for public health. The unintended adverse effects for public health are going to be much more than any benefits. And I doubt that there will be any real benefits in public health from this decision. It's a punitive uh, decision for smokers, for adult smokers, for adult former smoking vapors. It's also a punishment because especially these people, the vapors, who in a very short period of time, within months, transition to to non-tobacco flavors, they will now end up with either the choice of going back to tobacco flavors, that means moving closer to their past smoking habit, or start DIY, uh, do-it-yourself mixing of food flavors with nicotine non-flavored products. Uh, We don't want that. You did a major consumer uh, study, right, uh, in the U.S., I think, uh, on flavors and the impact? Yes, yes. Uh, we, we, we submitted that to the uh, FDA docket uh, a few years back. It was a survey of 60,000 adult uh, vapors, most of whom, U.S. vapors, most of whom were uh, former smokers. And we saw a, a clear transition from tobacco to non-tobacco flavors, and in fact, the majority of users uh, of vapors were using sweet and fruit flavors, not tobacco flavors. Even at the beginning, during a cigarette use initiation, and that's very important. Uh, it shows that tobacco flavors today are not that popular, uh, not even during a cigarette use initiation. And the authorities should think about that. Uh, because, as I said, the vast majority of vapors, especially adults, are smokers, current or former smokers. They are not never smokers. Never smokers, at the most, they experiment. They experiment out of curiosity. But that's it. They are not regular, uh, long-term, daily users. They are not. Only a very, very small minority of vapors are um, never smokers who use electronic cigarettes daily. So we need to address that. There are also studies recently which are showing that this transition or the use of non-tobacco flavors is associated with a higher uh, success rate uh, in uh, quitting smoking. I mean, what's going to happen with that? Again, I'm telling you, it's a punishment for adults, for adult smokers, and for adults former smoking vapors. We need to inform the regulators about that. You say punishment. In some respects, when you look at everything that's been going on over the last five, eight, nine years, 10 years with uh, vaping, does it appear that public health in your mind 
might have a problem with with individual individuals having pleasure when it comes to the use of nicotine? Well, you know, the demon is nicotine at the end. And uh, the focus even of the WHO is against nicotine use. Unfortunately, it's not against smoking. While we know for decades now that it's not nicotine that causes harm from smoking. I'm not saying that it's harmless, that it's completely harmless. I'm not saying that. But nicotine has a pretty minor um, um, contribution to smoking-related disease. Uh, Pretty, pretty minimal. Uh, So in reality, we should focus on smoking. Well, from um, perhaps it's it's an ethical issue, you know, uh, to discuss about not using any uh, substance which has the potential to be addictive, although we know that no one is using pure nicotine. Everyone wants to smoke and get their nicotine. It would be cheaper for someone to use pure nicotine. But why doesn't anyone use pure nicotine? Because it's the smoking behavior that creates the dependence. It's a, it's a, it's a, a synthesis. Uh, it's a combination of the chemical and the behavioral dependence that creates the smoking addiction. And that's why Carl Fagerstrom uh, renamed his test of nicotine dependence to uh, the test of cigarette dependence, because he wanted to address the dependence as smoking dependence, combination of chemistry and behavior. So uh, when we know, and we know that for decades, that combustion is causing all the harm, then our main goal should be to get rid of combustion. And in the case of electronic cigarettes, we, we also get rid of the tobacco as a product, as a, as a plant. You know, uh, we don't use pure tobacco for electronic cigarettes. Of course, we use pure tobacco in order to extract nicotine for NRTs or for nicotine for electronic cigarettes, which is, of course, of pharmaceutical purity, pharmaceutical grade nicotine, but it's coming from tobacco. But electronic cigarettes don't contain any tobacco themselves. You can't determine uh, the, the type of a product just because one of its components is coming from a specific source. It doesn't make sense scientifically or in terms of common sense and logic.